0: I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. This is episode 131 of Fried Squirms, where apparently we're finally going to talk about something that George Romero's done. (laughs) It took a little while, but we're finally here. I'm glad you pointed that out to me last week, because I have to admit, all this week that kind of mulled over in my mind a little bit. Like, how the fuck are we 130 episodes in and we haven't talked about any George Romero yet? And we've even talked about zombies.
1: Yeah, we're not shy. We just haven't gone around to Romero yet. So here we are, Dawn
0: of the Dead... We didn't go earlier, we didn't go later, we went with the mall.
1: That's true, we went straight to the mall. That's right. So, but before that, how's your week going? Pretty good, dude. I didn't do a whole lot outside of trying to get caught back up and watching Sabrina. So I watched a couple episodes, watched the last year's holiday special, and then throughout the week just been chilling, playing some Skyrim, stuff like that. Aside from going to the movies last night, how was the rest of your week?
0: The week of work sucked. That was most of my week between you know now and then but the weekend's been good like i've barely done shit today's annoying because i got a fucking <laughs> kink in my neck that is making looking around not fun right now yeah, in the ass. Uh, but whatever shit happens it's not like i've never went through this shit before so i'll live <laughs> yeah and then like you said we went to see it chapter two last night and are we going to talk about this on this episode or are we going to make it its own thing what are we going to talk- do I'm fine or cool either way. I guess let's do like we've done with some of our other shit and put it at the end of the episode. So if you want to yeah. hear some of our thoughts on It Chapter 2, mostly spoiler-free, but something might slip out, so enter at your own risk by that point, especially because we're going to be fucking stoned by that point. So, <laughs> yeah,
1: nice and um,
0: We're going to talk about It Chapter 2 at the end of this podcast,
1: but before we get there, do you got any news? I didn't really look at much news this week. So Yeah, there's a couple of bits of news that caught my eye, so leading off for fans like ourselves of Scream factory it has been announced today that they are releasing john carpenter's big trouble in little china it's going to be of course a collector's edition blu-ray with tons of amazing options for collectors so some of the stuff that the company detailed where that a limited edition stillbook version includes the lithograph of the stillbook art and they're going to do a standard blu-ray release which also comes with a rolled poster of their new illustration for big trouble and they're going to collaborate for the first time with sacred bones which is a record company so what they're doing is they're also offering a deluxe limited edition box set with a seven inch of music from the film so, it's going to be on an exclusive green vinyl from Shell Factory. Of course, it's composed by John Carpenter, Cody Carpenter, and Daniel Davies. said the A side is going to include the 2017 version of the main theme, which is entitled Pork Chop Express. And the B side contains a never-before-release recording of The Alley War, which was recorded by the trio in 2019. says a lot of the extras are still in progress, and they'll be announced at a later date. But it is limited, and that's the vinyl box set, to 2,500 units. So make sure that you get yours while supplies last. I've seen some of the artwork for it. Looks really good, dude. One of my favorite Carpenters.
0: I mean, with Big Trouble, I think a lot of people always think about Carpenters' involvement when it comes to it. But I believe it might have been the same writer as Buckaroo Banzai. Nice. Which kind of makes a lot of sense when you see... Considering, it, yeah. Considering both, how both the movies sort of flow. But. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, Fucking amazing movie either way. Whoever you want to give credit to, everybody involved should get some credit because it's amazing.
1: Yeah, that's one of the films that I showed my nephews earlier in the summer. He really liked it, so I was happy about that. All right, the next bit of news I have involves a movie that came out actually in the 90s, but it looks like the movie Tank Girl. It looks like its reboot is being developed by Margot Robbie's company, which is entitled Lucky Chap Entertainment, which she helped launch in 2014 so from what it looks like it looks like the brand new adaptation is going to be on its way and this was revealed by the co-creator alan martin and he tweeted it said uh, just heard that margot roby's company have option rights from mgm to make a new taint girl movie now several months into development so for those who were fans of the original, pretty decent film. A little different for the time period, too. So
0: Honestly, a cinematic tank Girl reboot's probably overdue at this point. This is something we probably should have got like five years ago. So I agree. I'm, well, I'm glad we're
1: finally getting it. So Likewise. Cool. So the next bit of news I have involves RLJE, which is a distributor. They have acquired the rights to Richard Stanley's The Color Out of Space, which is ahead of the TIFF, which is the Toronto International Film Festival, Never forget. Yeah, never forget They. So this is another one of those films that does involve Nicolas Cage. It also has Julie Richardson. It looks like this is kind of an adaptation from the mind of H.P. Lovecraft. It's also a little bit of an influence from Stephen King's short story, which is also based off of the 1927 story from H.P. Lovecraft. But his story is entitled Weeds, which was actually a segment in Creepshow. Oh, okay. So it's going to loosely be based upon that. So the synopsis of this film is that a family, whose recent retreat to rural life is quickly disrupted by a meteorite that crashes in their front yard. It's also pretty much being described as a cosmic horror film, and like I said, it's uh, same production team that produced Mandy. So <laughs> you get Nicholas yeah. Cage in another cosmic horror film.
0: I'm interested to see how they, and Richard how Stanley they do on it. top of it. Yeah. I might have to reread the short story. It's been a while, but that's one of those ones that I've always been a little bit interested whenever people are being like, going to do Color Out of Space. I'm like, okay, but what are you going to make it look like? I thought the most ingenious version was when they did the black and white version. Like, that's just kind of
1: funny. Yeah, considering (laughs) that's pretty neat, though. Mm -hmm. All right, so I've got a couple Mm -hmm. of other bits of news. One of them involves a Bill and Ted actor. So, of course, the new film has pretty much wrapped up Keanu Reeves is returning as Ted. Alex Winters is returning as Bill. You also get William Sadler returning as Death. And there has been a tweet showing William Sadler in In his makeup. makeup. Yeah. And uh, pretty much it was the writer Ed Solomon who took to Twitter to share that information. So pretty excited about that, man. It looks like that'll be a fun film. Pretty good cast on top of it as well. I, next bit of news I have involves an actor we've covered way back on our episode of Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. And that actor is Tom Atkins. So it looks like he's in talks for a starring role in the third franchise installment, The Collected. Now, you oh, and I yeah. recently, well, it was, it's been a little while, but we did The Collector. And it was followed up by The Collection. The collection and now it's going to be followed up by The Collected. But the same guys who directed it, it, right, Marcus Dunstan and Patrick Melton, they're back on board along with stars Josh Stewart and MFX Patrick. So if Tom Atkins gets a starring role, that's going to be a lot of fun because uh, he tends to chew it up. That'd
0: be cool. I still need to watch collection. It's not bad, dude. Collector was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. So I I just haven't made time to do it yet.
1: That's okay. We've got time. All right. So the last bit of news I have involves a director that you and I, we admire a lot. We even actually have one of the posters from his movies on the wall but John Evernall has shared the first trailer for his new film. It's called Girl with No Mouth. So the synopsis, it says that the film takes place following a nuclear disaster where the military are hunting down children exposed to radiation and born with missing body parts. Of course, it's going to be an all-Turkish cast.
0: Didn't we read about this early synopsis at one point half a year ago?
1: Maybe, but I memory's fuzzy mm-hmm. for, for several reasons. But it looks like it's going to get released sometime here in the States by 2020 after it makes its, like, circuit run in, in the festivals mm-hmm. and whatnot. So, like I so said, we're big fans of John. Can't wait to see this next one.
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I need to rewatch Baskin.
1: Yeah, dude. <laughs> I watched it not too long ago with Jeff. He really liked it. So, yeah, outside of that, dude, that's pretty much the bits of news that caught my eye. Like I said, some of the stuff we've been up to over the weekend.
0: Fuck, nothing really caught my eye. I don't know. Like... There's more trailers that just came out. Yeah. Good Lighthouse point. looks fantastic.
1: Lighthouse looks good. I'm looking forward to Dr. Sleep in November. So it's going to be fun, man.
0: Fucking Patrick laughed at me, but I am down for Underwater. Case Do versus whatever the fuck. It looks like they're going to pull Cthulhu out of their
1: ass. I'm cool with that if that's the so direction they want to go. Case Do
0: versus Cthulhu. I'm down. <laughs> nice. I'm down for that. I don't know. Something about that trailer, actually. I was like, I kind of dig what they're doing right here. So if I can. God, there was something else. Knives out yeah that looked dope that looked, looked like really interesting fucking crank meets <laughs> fucking clue so i'm good
1: well i just said clue because that's the first thing i was thinking <laughs> when i saw the previews but yeah it looks like there's some good movies coming up like we've got one coming up here soon and we've got a really cool one today as well that's right so
0: let's get into the guts and bolts of dawn of the dead not the snyder one hashtag <laughs> released the snyder cut guts and bolts all right guts and bolts dawn of the dead we already mentioned romero before we get there a synopsis
1: yeah brief synopsis
0: first off this is one that you probably already know what it's about because it's been parodied and referenced (laughs) so many fucking times this is the zombie movie where they're in a mall Exactly. yeah exactly (laughs) some shit happens before that That doesn't matter that much, No, but it's about a group of survivors that make it to a mall, some shit goes down in a mall, then they have to get out of the mall.
1: Yeah, simple as that. Oh, and they're zombies. Zombies, (laughs) yeah. All right, so with the brief synopsis from week to week, we like to talk about our cast and crew, and leading off, because we've already mentioned his name several times, is our director and writer, George Romero. So George Romero, of course, is known for such films as Night of the Living Dead, classic. There's also movies such as Season of the Witch came out in the 70s. One of my favorite films that he directed is a film entitled Martin. He's also directed Night Writers. He's done a segment for the Creep Show film. He's also director of Monkey Shines, Two Evil Eyes, Land of the Dead. Diary of the Dead and Survival of the Dead. So later on in his career, he went back to doing zombie films. Now, unfortunately, he did pass, what, two years ago? Right. So lost another iconic figure, native of... Well, I I don't know if he grew up in Pittsburgh, but I know he lived in Pittsburgh for a long time.
0: Now, you mentioned all the zombie stuff towards the end. Of course, his big breakout was with Night of the Living Dead. With Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead especially... And not so much anything else past that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but with those three, I mean, he's the Huge. godfather of the zombie genre.
1: No doubt. Absolutely. And in
0: the way that we think of zombies in a modern sense. Yeah, if it
1: wasn't for those films.
0: We talked about voodoo zombies on Serpent and the the Rainbow, Rainbow, right? You want to know, like, the way back history of zombies? You can go listen to that and we talk about all the voodoo origins and being brought in by like soldiers that had served down in the area and just growing out of stories and that stuff. What we think of as zombies, this man.
1: Oh, no doubt. Yeah, especially with Night of the Living Dead. And that was one too that I'd seen when I was far too young to understand it.
0: Well, that and this one, I'd say too. I think not as many people truly actually remember Night of the Living Dead
1: yeah, as, much as as much guy, as man. they
0: remember this one. Yeah, there was a um, nice little gap in between. That's just more just like his initial push and like, oh, by the way, here's this. And then you tie this in and then you go on to tie in day. Yeah, big uh, time. And you really ramp up the gore in this one and <laughs> that one. Yeah, well, it's fun
1: because you're right. It spawned other zombie films. It spawns parodies. So I think that's when you know you've really made it is when parodies start to be made of that work specifically. So... I did mention that not only is he the director, he's also the writer on this. Now, our cinematographer is Michael Gornick. He's known for being the DP on the films Martin, *Night Riders, Creepshow, and Day of the Dead. Our editor was George Romero. Now, Dario Argento was also an editor for the recut version of the European cut of the film. He, of course, he went uncredited for that. There was a particular partnership they had struck. All right, now the music was composed by Dario Argento and The Goblins, otherwise known as Goblin, so there's a cool connection there. Special effects was done by Tom Savini. He helped with the makeup and cosmetic special effects. Now, we've actually talked about him several times before, I think more specifically on Friday the 13th, uh, Part 4, the final chapter, along with you know being a major player in the special makeup effects field for horror films. He's also an actor and he's been in some really dope films. Maniac, he has an infamous scene in that. Think of him from Dust Till Dawn as Sex Machine. He was in Machete. Yeah. He's been in some really cool films, man. I mean, just an icon in the horror genre as a whole. I also didn't think he did some stunt stuff as well in this film. All right, now our producers on the film were Claudio Argento and Alfredo Cuomo. They helped with the Laurel Group production, which we're in association with, and Richard P. Rubinstein helped produce this film. The production companies were Don Associates and Laurel Group. The distributor was United Film Distribution Company for the 1979 United States theatrical release. It was released on September 1st, 1978 in Italy. It was at the Torino premiere. It had an April 7th, 1979 premiere here in the States at the USA Film Festival, and Finally, it was released on four twenty yeah. in nineteen seventy nine in New York City, New York. Yeah, it was. Yeah, man. So this is interesting. I saw the budget on Wikipedia shows, if I'm not mistaken, one point five million dollars. Yes. And then on the movie database it shows about six hundred thousand dollars. I'll talk about That's the reason big why there's difference. a difference. Yeah. I'll talk about the reason why later on that they have two different figures. It's really cool. That's a big difference. But It's gross. This is what's worldwide gross. It grossed $55 million worldwide. 78? That's some big numbers. All right. I do have a tagline. There's several, but this one is actually a a quote, too, in the film. And that is...
0: One of the most famous taglines in all of horror movies. I would
1: think so at this point. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. So that rounds out the crew on Dawn of the Dead. Our cast, I'm going to start off with David M.G., he plays Stephen Flyboy Andrews in this film. Now, along with being in Dawn of the Dead, he was also in the film The Booby Hatch, he was also in Basket Case Part Two, and in the film Hellmaster. Now this is another guy we've actually talked about before, because we actually talked about him last week with our Devil's Rejects episode, and that's Ken Foree. He plays the role of Peter Washington. Now, if you want to hear a little bit more in depth about some of the roles he's played, you can check out our episode on Devil's Rejects. Really cool actor, man. Like, I do remember him specifically for this. This is probably his iconic role, I would imagine. Yeah, I think so, too. did we mention he was on Kenan and Kel?
0: Like, yeah, he's uh, he's the father. <laughs> that's pretty wild. That's where, that's
1: where I knew him from
0: best growing up, because I fucking love me some Kenan. That's I used so to funny. watch a shit ton of all that because
1: that was a good show dude
0: yeah I fucking loved all that and then when they did Keenan and Kel I'm like well those are two of my favorite guys like, yeah I'm gonna follow them still good burger all that stuff That's fucking, yeah dude it was great <laughs> I also loved orange soda nice like <laughs>
1: yeah it was good as a slushy too <laughs> I can vouch for that <laughs> alright our next actor I have is Scott H. Reniger he plays the role of Roger Trooper DeMarco now Scott's been in the film Danny he was also in George Romero's Knight Riders he was in the TV movie The Other Victim, and he also was in Dawn of the Dead 2004, and that was the Zack Schneider uh, version. All right, Galen Ross, she plays the role of Francine Fran Parker. Now, she's also been in such films as Madman. She was in the segment Something to Tide You Over in the Creepshow film. David Crawford plays the role of Dr. James Foster. He was known for being in the films To Kill a Mockingbird. He actually went uncredited in that film. He was also in Lady Beware. He was in What Rats Won't Do, Night of the Living Dead Genesis, which is actually currently filming. which is really neat. Oh. Yeah, let's see. David Early plays Mr. Sidney Berman. So a lot of these people were like TV segment people. I'll make one at the beginning, one a little bit later on in the film. But David was also in Knight Riders. He was in *Creep Show*. the segment They're Creeping Up On You. He was in Monkey Shines, The Silence of the Lambs, and also a film, (laughs) it's like, man, this might be one of the few times we'll actually get to talk about it, the film Double Dragon.
0: Oh, fuck. I went and saw that in theaters. Yeah, based off the video game. (laughs) And
1: he was also in a Kevin Smith film. Uh,
0: Zach and Mary make Yes,
1: he was. That's really cool.
0: Uh, So was Tom Savini. Yeah, this is really neat. Because Zach and Mary was also shot in Philadelphia and parts of Monroeville, including the Monroeville Mall. Hell yeah! Uh, And there's a nod to this movie in that one, and that the name of the hockey team is the Monroeville Zombies.
1: That's fucking awesome.
0: But Tom Savini in that movie is the guy that rents them the space that gets demolished because he was just ripping them off.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's fucked up. (laughs) All right, so moving along, we have Richard France. He plays the role of Dr. Millard Rausch. Now, he's one of the TV segment people, too. I think he's the one that had the eye patch. Now, he was in The Crazies. He was also in the film Dreams Come True and in the film Graveyard Shift. All right, Howard Smith, he was one of the TV commentators. He was in the short film Revell. He's also a director, and he was known for doing the documentaries Marjo and Gizmo. Daniel Dietrich plays Mr. Dan Gibbons he was in the film Fleshpot on 42nd Street and Malatesta's Carnival of Blood and the last actor I have is James
0: Fleshpot on 42nd Street? yeah you can only imagine
1: my last actor that I have credits for is James A. Baffico he plays the role of Wooly in this film he was also in the film *Night Riders, as many of these other people were. He was also in the film All the Right Moves, and in another Stephen King adapted film, Silver Bullet. Was Wooly a bully? Wooly was the bully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that pretty much rounds out our cast, our crew. You gave us a brief synopsis. We should give you some warnings going into this.
0: Some pretty decent gore. The yeah. blood color is kind of funky to my eyes, but all in all, the gore is still pretty damn effective. Yeah, there's some so. really
1: good moments of gore. There's some language. There's a lot of action, some violence, things of that um, nature. There's some, some non-PC, yeah, non-PC things going on.
0: And one scene of brief breasts.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's a little bit of boobs in this.
0: I think that's it, though.
1: Yeah, it's pretty tame, you know, Both for the most pretty part. pretty
0: tame, yeah. I guess let's just get into it. Dawn of the Dead. Boom. How does that oh, make you squeal? Dawn of the Dead. Finally got around to one of the OG zombie. Well, you know what I mean. The Romero zombies. Right,
1: right, exactly.
0: I don't know, what do you think? How do you want to open this? What's your story with this? I know, I'm
1: trying to think of my history with this film. Is Of course, I've seen it before. You and I have had reviewed it. I want to say the first time I had seen it might have been sometime in the 80s. But like I said, it was one of those films I wasn't aware of, like its Mm -hmm. impact. I didn't know who Romero was back way back when. So I remember seeing bits and pieces because there are certain things that do ring out even now. But I don't think I really truly appreciated it until I was probably sometime in my 20s. But I couldn't remember exactly when. I'm very familiar with the film though.
0: I don't know if I watched it till college. I know I saw the Snyder version first, and the Snyder one is the one I'm actually more familiar with, even though I'm not a big fan of Fast Zombies.
1: Yeah, I know what you're saying. I still
0: really like that version, but it was that that caused me to seek this out, and just sort of knowing, like, you know, that's a remake, I should probably watch the original at some point, just so I know. Yeah, I know. So, I don't know. Sometime in college is probably when I saw it. I really like it. I love everything it's done for Zombies. This movie's fucking long.
1: It really is. It was a lot longer than I was expecting. I was like, oh, it's probably going to be like an hour and a half. And it's more like two hours, 20.
0: (laughs) It's like, oh, shit.
1: we're really going to have to hunker down.
0: Yeah. And probably doesn't need to be this long.
1: It really doesn't. But I think there is probably a reason for it being that long, too, to be honest.
0: And for me, it really drug in the middle.
1: It does. All right. Without getting into why I feel like that was done intentionally... I guess the thing I want to open up with is it's like I said, it's impact, right? You know, we did Shaun of the Dead, which is a play on this title, Dawn of the Dead, yep. of course. And so of course it has semen itself and zombie history. But I was thinking too during that time period in the '80s that followed, like Day of the Dead came out, in, what '85, I believe, and then there was like the Return of the Living Dead too, the Return of the Living Dead Part Three. You know, so it spawned all these other zombie films that were not necessary canon. <laughs> right. But it still followed that line so it still carried.
0: I mean it carries through. I mean Walking Dead wouldn't exist without
1: Romero's. Oh without a doubt.
0: Yeah. I mean in a way we've just been continually feeling this Yeah. all of our lives in some form or another.
1: I do like the fact too that it was <clears throat> taken place at a mall because you know if you grew up either during that time period in the 70s, 80s, maybe even you know parts of the 90s You're familiar with a certain feel of that early mall culture, so it was a nice touch. We got kind of a dirt mall here, (laughs) yeah, as they would say in
0: Mallrats. Maybe not as bad as the Mallrats Dirt Mall, but comparatively, like this is one of those movies where growing up, if I saw a mall like this, I was like, man, I wish.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Two stories. Pretty decent.
0: It'd be pretty lame to get caught in our mall.
1: (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it would suck. But the thing that kind of fascinated me is, you know, being in a town, we had two malls because of the town set up either west side, east side. But then going up north where malls were a little bit different, I remember, like, being with some of my cousins in some of the malls in Massachusetts and then being in uh, New Jersey back in the early 2000s, some of the malls up there. It's different. They're big. And you're like, damn, I wish we had these back home, <laughs> you know. It was still kind of interesting because – of course this film has such a huge social commentary attached to it
0: i was gonna say the thing that i do credit this movie big time for me and the way it impacted my life is this is one of the very first movies kind of because it hits you over the head with it a couple times Oh no doubt but it was one of the first ones where i was like oh movies can be about like multiple things all at once yeah like this works without the social commentary it does it certainly does But it has an inbuilt social
1: commentary. You can't help but see that. It's so obvious. And like I said, it's painted right there in front of you.
0: And if you didn't catch it, it's anti-consumerist culture. (laughs) Yeah. It's
1: really cool. So one of the first things I noted actually was as the film's opening up, they're giving you some exposition in the background with some of the camera stuff that's going on, the people that are on air about what the hell is happening. Because there's a panic in the network, the studio. So you're introduced to a couple of our main characters, but then there's also a cameo. George Romero plays like a TV director, I suppose, mm-hmm. or whatnot. It's like, oh, that's pretty neat. He also shows up a little bit later on too as a different character. But those are some of the first things I noted it was like, all right, I kind of forgot like this is how it opens, is actually at the network at the uh T V station.
0: What I noticed about the opening, even though ultimately I think you could probably cut it out. And just, like, start with, like, the crew already on the run or something. Yeah. But, like I said, this is a long fucking movie and it drags. It really but, is. what I did notice was that entire opening is kind of an overture for the real problems of the movie. Which is mostly just people freaking out and getting in each other's way. Because the zombies really aren't that hard to take care
1: of. No, these are the slow, like, you can pick them off if you know what you're doing.
0: Yeah. And a lot of the times when the characters are just focused and just trying to get shit done, they don't really have that much of a problem with the zombies.
1: You're absolutely right. It's not until they get into this panic or fervor.
0: And the whole TV station thing is just people getting in each other's way because they need to feel the chaos of what's going on. I don't know what it is, but you know what yeah. I
1: mean? Yeah, like... and, and then too, it's, it's showing like what happens when things do go out of control and Instead of it, people working together, people are panicking and shit's going downhill real fast. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I was expecting to open up—I mean, it kind of does open with it—but I was thinking immediately was the fact that you actually get the SWAT team in that housing project. That's some of the earliest memories I have of this film. Was actually that particular series of up scenes. Boom! Headshot. Yeah. Like oh shit! So one of the first things too that I wrote with my notes was there already. Is that one guy in brown face? Maybe. There's, it's like, they're already dropping uh racial overtures about seven minutes into this film with uh, calling people like greasy Puerto Ricans and dropping mm. the hard R bombs and stuff. They're like, oh, okay. But what they're also doing is, it's kind of a social commentary because of that character Wooly. He's the one that's kind of throwing out those racial epithets too. Like, you know, they're living uh pretty much on social welfare, mm-hmm. the government. And he's like, they got it better than I do and blah, blah, blah. And, it just carries over. Like, he, you can tell he's just blatantly racist. He's probably echoing sentiments of a certain class of people in this country. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what his character is all about. And the fact that minorities, whether it's, you know, uh, African Americans, people, uh, Puerto Ricans, Cubans, etc., So it's just, you know, pointing the finger at race. So that's another one of the notes I had.
0: He gets his, though.
1: Yes, he does. Which I think everybody's happy that he does. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually.
0: Coworkers workers included. They, it looked like they were done with dealing with his shit, too. Like, I didn't see nothing. Yeah, what's you talking about? Wooly we'll uh, who? <laughs> and that's kind of our big introduction to Ken Forey's character, too. Yeah,
1: you do. So, early on, we get the sense that Flyboy and Fran, they're wanting to run, right? Mm-hmm. People either, one of two things, they're either staying or they're running, and they decide they want to run. So, they've kind of procured a helicopter. They're supposed to meet up with some people. Was supposed to be trooper. Until 4A, it's like, you know, his characters, he wants to run too. So they meet up, what was it, at a refueling place. It was like at the docks, wasn't it? Police docks or some shit? Yes,
0: yes. Oh, yeah, some shit like that. And then the... There's the other
1: group that's there that are on the run. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the funny moment, I suppose, is when the guy asks for a cigarette. And they're like, sorry. Sorry, Hoss. We ain't got none.
0: There's a lot of humor throughout this movie. There
1: was. That was some of the early ones. Because, like, that's pretty funny. That's all the news. And he just
0: keeps bugging everybody for a fucking cigarette. <laughs> spaz. Job. That
1: dude's a spaz.
0: Dude, nigga fiend. <laughs> yeah, <a> fiend.
1: <laughs> but that is some of the stuff I wrote down, too. It's like, that was a pretty funny moment.
0: I know it's once they're in the helicopter. I can't quite remember how far after that scene it occurs, but I did have to write down when Fran asked fucking Ken if he meant real brothers or street brothers. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Both.
0: (laughs) Both. Yeah.
1: Well, it was funny, too, because he's like, yeah, one of my brothers is actually a pro athlete. like, no kidding. (laughs) They had to throw that little bit in, too, just to drive the point home
0: real brothers or street brothers
1: yeah they, they go there
0: oh man i don't know i feel like this movie could have went a lot differently if once they were in the helicopter and they were trying to figure out where they were gonna sit down and they look down and they're like man i bet they're having fun with it out there yeah in like the redneck country and you get that little cutaway i'm like i would have been like it's time to go make some friends with the rednecks because it looks like they're living the good life
1: yeah they've got their shit together
0: it's only the cities that are being affected by this shit
1: that's another point I think too that they're making. Now, from what I read, that scene where you see the good old boy mm. hunters and mm-hmm. I guess it was a national guard that was coming through, they were actually in the area. Like they just so happened to catch them while they were filming, mm. and they were like, you know, you've already got it. Cuts down on production costs. Right. Yeah, we'll just get some scenes here. And so they were having fun with it. Yeah, that's those so are a lot of townies.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, and that's kind of always. Because we've grown up with a zombie culture, partially thanks to these movies. So that's always been kind of one of those things, growing up in the area I did, fucking rural Montana, it's like, I ain't worried about this. I know everybody here knows how to shoot. We're not going to have a big mass of zombies coming, because there's not enough room for a big mass of zombies to come between these fucking mountains. Like, we're getting ten zombies at a time, and it's going to be easy fucking pickings, and... You're good. Yeah. Yeah. We're good to go. That's the ones that can make it through the fucking mountains.
1: That's absolutely correct. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the discussion we had with the purge, like how it would affect whether it was rural areas or urban cities and stuff like that. And there's a huge contrast, especially out here. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I'm not worried about that shit out here. Of course the more densely populated it is. Yeah, you're, you're in the, the rural risk. city.
0: <laughs> zombies happen, you're in a bad way. You're out here, zombies happen. You're right. It's going to last a day.
1: A short drive in any direction, man. You're out of a big town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so you're good, man. All right. So you get the meetup, right? That's when they set off. You say they do the overhead. You get the hunters. You get the National Guard until they finally make it to the mall. And the thing I like is that's when they finally have the goblin score accompanied oh, with Dario right. Argento. I was like, nice. That's about 24 minutes in. That's something I noted. So when they do land, you get the sense, all right they're probably in a you know good location for obvious reasons but there's a lot of zombies already <laughs> it's like it's a good bit i will say though once i got
0: to the mall there's a lot of zombies that are still in there but there's not nearly as much tension no that's when they start playing a lot more lighthearted with it from their first fucking run through or like we're going to go grab supplies and fucking slide down <laughs> the goddamn Escalator. escalators yeah. and shit like They're starting to have a good time already, and it's like, no wonder people want a fucking zombie apocalypse to happen. If they've watched Dawn of the Dead, they know how good of a time it can be. Yeah,
1: exactly. Which, I I like that, too. Like, the way that it contrasts from going to something that's, like, completely full of people, zombies, etc. So, where it becomes vacant, and then that's when other things, you know, derive from it. I didn't notice that we skipped a little bit ahead of ourselves. Okay, yeah, All Alright, so before they get to the mall, after that little cutscene with the hunters and shit... Is I believe they're refueling again, so they're at another station, and that's when you have that weird moment with Flyboy, his weird attack, and also the struggle he has, and you can start to sense like how useless he is in a sense, mm-hmm. you know, until one of the zombies like gets his wig split, the whole helicopter scene. So that's like just some iconic moments,
0: iconic, although severely telegraphed oh. by his
1: horrendous head prosthetic. <laughs> I mean, they had to make do. From what I understood, too, is like Tom Savini was doing a lot of shit on the fly. Yeah,
0: that's kind of what I read, too. So, like, that's dope. But at the same time, it's like, (laughs) oh, that motherfucker's going to get his head sliced off because he's got encephalitis.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they said that guy had a bit of a a sloped head. Is what they said. (laughs) Not my words. All right, once you're at the ball, that's when uh, they get the keys. So, once again, flyboy. it's like, man, this dude, you only have one job. And you're still fucking up because you're shooting at shadows, acting stupid. So there's a little bit of that character We can't shoot for shit. No, we cannot. And that's kind of embarrassing, but it's also kind of indicative, too, of what his character is about. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's a traffic personality. He's just a traffic guy. (laughs) So you want to expect more traffic. No, 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 that he can report on. But you get that sense like he's a city boy. He can't shoot worth the fuck. And he's always getting in the way. And he's shooting at shadows. He's spooked. So you know that the guys are capable. That's being Ken Foree, the guy who plays Trooper. Fran from Wonder Two is Galen. She said that she was supposed to be a screamer, like almost like a scream mm-hmm. queen in this, but she's like, no. It's like my character. If I start screaming, then you're gonna start not empathizing with my character.
0: One of my notes is that Fran is great because there's that one point where she's like, no, like if this is gonna happen, then. You're gonna teach me how to fly the helicopter. Yeah, you motherfuckers aren't leaving me alone without a gun anymore. Yeah, that like. was fucked up. You have
1: flares mm-hmm. with the Hare Krishna. That's actually one of my notes. Is like that's kind of if you understand the irony behind that whole sequence, <laughs> it makes it funny because Hare Krishna is all about being peaceful. You know, practicing yoga. Like it's pretty much straight Children edge with yoga.
0: at airport, Yeah,
1: <laughs> but I mean, it's a flesh-eating zombie. Hare Krishna's are supposed to be vegetarian. So it's like, it's funny because that's a complete shift in dynamics mm-hmm. there. But yeah, she's got a flair. They save her. But you're right. She's an empowered woman, her character. And unfortunately, that I helicopter... Say, I also,
0: I kind of liked the uh, zombie that popped out in the department store that looked like the mannequin for a second. That was kind of dope.
1: Oh, Whoa. Because one... they kind of
0: set it up earlier where he's, like, scared of the mannequin. He's like, no problem. And then later on, they're running through and fucking, zombie! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> zombie, bitch!
1: There's one I noticed, man, throughout the entire film. There's one zombie that does the same thing. Like, you'll catch them every half hour. Like, they'll show a sequence of zombies in the mall. And, you're like, there's that fucking zombie again!
0: Is it because they're, like, mall runners?
1: No, it's... um. <laughs> I don't know if I want to give it away right now, but... Is it the gun zombie? It is the gun zombie. Like, one of the first zombies they encounter is that zombie grabs a rifle and he holds it. He just it in that keeps posi- looking
0: at it. <laughs> yeah.
1: He keeps holding it in that position. And if you watch the film, he'll show up every so often. And you're like, he's doing the same shit. <laughs> he's doing it again. Until he winds up... confront. I can't remember. If it, was, it might have been Ken Foree, might have been uh, Flyboy. He, oh, he grabs he switches the other it, gun. <laughs> he looks and he drops the one that he's been holding the entire film (laughs) he's got his
0: new gun oh
1: that shit i laugh so hard i was like i know i shouldn't be laughing but that shit is hilarious
0: so two different times in the movie maybe three (laughs) times because i think not in the same terms and not in their specific situation but yeah one of the times on the news and two times between characters at the mall they point out that they're coming here because that's what they did it's all just like ingrained instincts and shit right so, how many zombies are there out there that are just compulsively masturbating?
1: Oh, there's probably a good bit. Like, catch <laughs> <Cush> my brains! <laughs> brains! <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I would imagine there's, you know, given the uh, circumstances, it would make sense, right?
0: There's got to be way more compulsively masturbating zombies than these <laughs> movies have ever
1: shown us. I would agree. That's something they haven't explored yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can you imagine it? it? Is just like one of these fucking zombie movies, and the survivors are like running through this house, and they're like clearing the rooms to see if there's any zombies in any of them. And they walk into a room, <laughs> and there's just like this fucking oh. teenager gamer zombie just whacking his fucking buttons so on the computer screen, <laughs> just brains. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: funny, dude. Well, that's if you haven't done it now. Here's your chance, right?
0: There, we just gave that to you. It's a free idea. Whoever's listening, <laughs> there you go. Make a million dollars and then maybe remember us. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah.
1: All right. So you're right. It points out the obvious through the commentary with some of the TV personalities. So that hits the whole point home. Is it's about consumerism, like you were saying earlier, right? Anti-consumerism. What it does is, I think that's a parts that lull, but I think it was done on purpose was to show the effects on like over-consuming things, right? Because yeah, they basically
0: become zombies themselves they when they're in the mall.
1: They do. They wipe out all the zombies. They've cleaned the zombies, right? I don't mean like they didn't bathe they hid them. them. <laughs> no, yeah. like they hid them, essentially, is what they were doing. But when that happens, there becomes, yeah, a complacency. And you see it with the relationship with Fran and Flyboy. They become distant. She's pregnant. You know, we learn that stuff out. But I thought that was interesting. It's like, yeah, did they need to show that? Not necessarily. But maybe for that time period, it it needed to be seen. Because that's a part of the film, too, that can really make you tune out. Which, Which is another thing. It shows, like, you know, you you become so complacent of seeing action in in certain beats to where now there's a lull. It almost becomes a little art (laughs) housey.
0: Yeah. You get a a little bit of that before you end up getting the shit with Trooper succumbing. I do have to say he was... By the uh, amalgamation of wrappers and junk food around <laughs> his deathbed, Trooper was living his very best life before he passed. I'll yes, he what. was,
1: Benny. <laughs> you could tell he probably a simple guy. Like he said, he was used to like us, like driving trucks and shit. But he became a little too cocky. You know, that was his demise. He was a little too over enthusiastic because all he had to do is just get in there, get out, quit fucking around. He was fucking around. Got bit. It's like, "Ah, that's it for you, bud." But I like his because that's another one of those iconic stills or photographs that you see is actually when he does turn Trooper that is. Mm-hmm. It's like that's one of the images that are associated with this film. He and also when Flyboy finally turns as well. Right. Like him coming out of the uh elevator.
0: Which, they shouldn't use those images so much, because that's kind of fucking spoilers. It really <laughs>
1: does spoil it. But they're so Especially because the,
0: the Flyboy one doesn't happen until like 10 minutes from the end.
1: Yeah, it does take a hot minute. But that's another thing. It's like, he became so obsessed with the fact that it's his, like this is his shit, even though he's doing the same thing that those bikers are doing. They're just coming in. They're pillaging, but they're doing it in a different fashion.
0: Ooh, so I wanted to say something about the bikers now that we're bringing them up. Fast zombies didn't exist yet. The bikers are just fast zombies because they didn't exist yet. When you notice what they're doing when they come in, they're doing exactly what was pointed out. There was one time, I think Flyboy was like, I think it was Flyboy that asked, like, why are the zombies after us? And Ken Forey points out, they're not after us, they're after this place. And that's the exact same thing. Like, the fucking bikers weren't grabbing anything that mattered to these people. No. They were grabbing fucking jewelry. They were grabbing expensive shit that isn't going to fucking matter. Exactly. They weren't grabbing any of their supplies that they were living off It was just all
1: material of. objects.
0: And it was all the same shit that the zombies were after, just in hyper speed. Yeah,
1: that's all it was. I felt like the bikers, they did represent that, like... Like it's just the fast the fast zombies, but they also, of course, in society, they're the outlaws. They're the mm-hmm. kind of anarchists in a sense. You know, they're the counterculture. So yeah, they represented two different things in this film. They were not only zombies in that sense, but they also were doing the same shit that the group were doing in the first place. It was just wasn't quote unquote as sophisticated as they were doing it. But some of the cool things, man, watching this film and then seeing its fandom is, I think I told you this too, like on YouTube, you can check it out, there's these two guys who visit the mall and all these different locations and how it looks today, and that mall is still there. It's just, of course, the locations have changed over the years, but that's something I like about this film too, is it was actually using like real locations, not just movie sets, you know?
0: So this one, those things, I don't mean for this to sound like, oh, I'm so badass, this or that, because I think this is the least badass way that you could probably do this. But it is very much intimated that they are, end up at that mall for a good four months before they get out of there. If we're at that mall for four months and I have access to that many guns and ammunition, we're not in a mall surrounded by zombies. Because uh. I'm going to get super fucking bored. I'm going to go sit up on that roof. I'm going to plank off about 100 zombies a day because they're just fucking walking there.
1: <laughs> because you can. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, what the fuck else am I going to do? <laughs> It'd be badass if I was like, yeah, I'll go down there, fucking fight them hand-to-hand, machetes and shit. No, I'm just going to sit on the roof, and it's fucking target practice, just like I used to do back in the day anyway, when yeah. I had guns growing up.
1: You can hone in I on grew your up skill. up
0: in rural Montana. <laughs> like We used to just go fucking plank targets all the time anyway. I used to have to pay for that shit. If I have access to a gun store with probably... 30 oh guns God. that I've never shot before, yeah, and just piles of ammunition. All the
1: accessories. We
0: are no longer in a mall. Four months later, we are no longer in a mall surrounded by zombies. Yeah. You're we're great. in a mall.
1: Yeah, you're <laughs> absolutely... Yeah, this is... We're in a mall. They actually had a really cool... One of the notes that I wrote down, I was like, man, if you're of an age where you didn't have this, I kind of feel sorry for you. But theirs was a little bit the early stages of arcades. Oh, yeah. I was like, man, I really like that because that was a cool sequence. It's Like, that's, for me, when I grew up, that's kind of what the mall epitomized was going to the arcade. You know, I would go with my grandmother, my brother, and I typically would. And she'd go, you know, in department stores. And my brother and I couldn't wait to get to the main section of the mall so we could go to the arcade. And if we weren't at the arcade, we were either in the record store or in the bookstore. That was our three spots we'd been in. So I really enjoy that. It's like I feel sorry for kids now because – arcades unfortunately we kind of i mean they do make comebacks here and there but for the most part it's kind of non-existent
0: but to tie it back around especially with the influence this has had on culture as i was watching this movie all it really made me want to do was replay the first dead rising game <laughs> yeah. which is set in a mall it was all just a giant homage to this, except you get fast zombies at night.
1: Yeah, for real.
0: Slightly changed up storyline, obviously, because you're, like, one person going in, and you're supposed to be, like, a photojournalist who's, like, first on the scene. But a lot of shit kind of plays out, like, in weird mirrors to this movie. And I say weird. It's not weird, because it's obviously intentional homage, you know what I mean? Yeah, Especially yeah. setting it in a fucking mall in the first place, but i don't know i was just like they're sitting there in a mall like you said for me when i was young the mall meant going to the arcade at least for me i didn't give a shit about going to pennies no (laughs) you know what i mean either i I didn't
1: care about any of that stuff it's funny because when we were in those but
0: the arcade was at the mall
1: yeah exactly
0: and so i'm watching this movie they're in the arcade which was part of mall culture to me and it just wraps back around where i might not be going to the mall to play my video games anymore but my video games are directly inspired by this movie.
1: There's it's a, a really cool homage. There's yeah. a
0: time as a flat circle thing there, right? And I, I don't know. If I can help me out, McConaughey. Like,
1: <laughs> but you're right. I think there's a really cool sense of that. Like, if it wasn't for these styles of films, you know, there's no telling you wouldn't have all these different franchises spawning from it. Like you were saying, The Walking Dead has a lot to owe to this film. It has that sense. Like, people are teaming up. You know, you get the sense of groups you know whether it's biker gangs whether it's people like trooper and washington and fran and Flyboy, you know you're gonna run into people and that's kind of what this was about you know you're encountering people it's a game of survival essentially you know this one just so happens to take place at a mall
0: i do think one of the funny things about this movie and i saw somebody pointed out online and i wish i knew who to attribute it to but it wasn't me but Somebody sort of pointed out that one of the funny things about this movie is it shows that if you're good at being a survivor in a zombie apocalypse, then you better be prepared for being extremely bored
1: all the time. Yeah, that's a good point, dude. (laughs) I was thinking that, too. Well, one of the things is like... Which is something people don't really think about the zombie apocalypse. No. Well, this is something... If you're
0: good at being a survivor in the zombie apocalypse, you're probably going to be really fucking bored most of the time.
1: Well, this is just a nerd in me, but... I was like, all right, think about this. With the power they were running in the mall, that takes a lot of power to run. Mm-hmm. A lot of electricity. And nobody's mining. <laughs> no one's getting the, the raw material to, to keep that electricity running. That's no. a hell of a generator they were running off of.
0: They mentioned it earlier in the movie that they think they might have been on nuclear there.
1: Okay. Phew. Okay, that makes sense. It's like, man, that's, that's a lot of time were, to sustain. When the,
0: when the power first comes on. I think somebody mentions being surprised it even came on in the first place. And they're like, well, if it's coming on, we're probably on nuclear.
1: Yeah, they're going to be on there for a bit. But I was just thinking that if it wasn't for that fact, yeah, they were there for a good bit. They did hold up for a while. First thing, too, is like, I don't think I'd put zombies in walk-in coolers, considering they had food and shit in there.
0: (laughs) Oh, I thought that same fucking thing. I'm like, I am not putting those zombie bodies next to the food we're going to fucking eat. I'm throwing those shits off the roof for the zombies to eat. Yeah. Like the fucking, the one guy's in the newscast is suggesting later on, like, why don't we feed the people that have been bitten that we're killing ourselves to the zombies to keep them off our ass for a bit?
1: I mean, I liked his character because he was, quote unquote, the logical guy. Mm-hmm. We need to think logically. We need to be logical. <laughs> but he was driving home points that people just weren't ready to hear are really to, to accept. But that's kind of the point of this film. It's like it's hard to be rational and logical in the when, face of this. Right, cuz this is super chaos, you know. But that's the Granted,
0: fun- it makes sense that it's causing chaos. Well, if yeah. your fucking loved one gets up from the fucking grave and comes after you trying to eat you to death, that's going to fuck with you. Yeah,
1: you're going to be in this fucked up predicament regardless because like they were saying it's hard to I feel, though,
0: like, I feel like it wouldn't be... As long as you survive the first wave or so, yeah, though, I yeah. feel like it wouldn't be too long before you're like, they're not human anymore.
1: No, you become cynical to the fact. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah, these are loved ones, but they're not the same ones prior to the turn. You know? If anything,
0: I'm doing them a favor by their body not having to go through this bullshit Yeah,
1: anymore. Which is neat, too, because it doesn't really showcase it too much in this. Like, when zombies starve to death, or mm-hmm. they, they come to the point where... they have to feed how do you feel about that not saying you but how do you feel if a loved one turned right and that's what you did as opposed to just offing them is make them starve out yeah (laughs) then it'd be really fucked (laughs) up
0: if you're not killing them because they're already your loved one yeah you're also not feeding them and so they're going to die a slow death slow death
1: yeah so after a while you just pull it in their head yeah you have to man yeah, as fucked up as it is, you do have to detach the emotional aspect of it, you know? That's the hardest part. But once you get past that wave, you're good.
0: I had to put down fucking right for the end there, fucking Kung Fu fury. <laughs> he does that down, jump kick. Like, hell, yeah. hell it's yeah. Like, what the fuck did I just see? The gang bit also seemed to go on a lot longer than it really needed to. Yeah. That action scene could have been, like a seven minute action scene instead of an almost like 20 minute action. Bit. <laughs> there was a
1: lot going on in that shit. It's like, they were filming the time, but like I said, this film, they was making the most of its opportunities to, because yeah. that was like a local biker gang. They said it was something like, I can't remember the exact name. But it was something pagan bikers or some that was shit. pagans. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was like they were using their own shit. Just bring them on in, you know, even a lot of the people on set, like said, it was local people from Monroeville, some people from Pittsburgh you know the cool thing was, and I think they did this with Shaun of the Dead as well. I think we mentioned this: is the extras were paid a dollar for their time. I think they got like food and drinks too. You know, being mm-hmm. on set and a Don of the Dead T-shirt as well. I did see a video that this guy had captured back when they were actually filming mm-hmm. in uh, '77, '78. It was he and his brother. They had this um, just like old handheld camera. And on set, and every, you couldn't hear any sound and shit, but it was neat, because you could see the old film oh, of them doing certain scenes, and yeah, it was kind of capturing the moment, so that was really cool. It's like a 20-minute video.
0: What I thought was neat, so we already mentioned, I mean, this one in particular has left an indelible mark, Romero zombies in general, but whenever they went to build something, like when they built the wall and shit, oh, did I say, who did I say, did I say Romero? Because I'm about to point out that fucking whenever they go to build something, I'm like, oh... Fucking Raimi watch this movie.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you, you can't help notice that.
0: I'm like, oh shit, like that's almost the same thing he does. That's true. I'm like, oh, I see a lot of him in this. It's just he kind of turns it up to eleven, yeah, in weird ways.
1: Yeah, that's Maybe a good not point. quite to
0: eleven compared to some other people, but right. But I compared think compared to this, period. yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. But no, you can see the influences already. Early stages of influences.
0: The guts were cool though with the end of the motorbike scene.
1: Yeah, from what I understood, it was, like, real cow yeah, yeah, I was like, ooh. Yeah, because they made mention, too, like, how rank it was, like, the smell. Mm. But it was good. I look good. <laughs> Romero yeah. supposedly had told people on set that if they were willing to, like, gnaw into that shit, he would do a close-up of them. Oh, okay. And one person, like, you know, said he would, but I don't think they ever used the footage. <laughs> <laughs> like, now yeah, that's fucked up, man.
0: I mean, through and through this movie, even the effects that do look fake are kind of cringe-inducing, if that makes sense. Like, And not necessarily cringe in a bad way, I mean like, ooh, like I understand how that would hurt. Even yeah. the times when you're like, that obviously isn't what that would look like, but you're still like, ooh, ooh. No, like some of the bites that get taken out of people, you're like, Pfft. Ooh, no. yeah some of the bites look really good Some i of think one of the early are... ones too
1: in the uh the housing project with mm-hmm. miguelito he winds up biting into his wife oh yeah that yeah, was that a woman, good one that was good was like ooh shit even when trooper is in that volkswagen the one that's in the mall mm-hmm. and that zombie gets a hold of his leg and like digging in i was like ooh, that hurt like a motherfucker.
0: Was, was that the same zombie that had almost got him earlier too in the leg
1: it wouldn't surprise me if it was yeah he gets fucked up pretty good Knowing
0: that the shit gets passed along with, like, bites and shit so easy, I would have been, like, going and finding all the leather shit to wear in that yeah, mall Yeah, dude, could. I know, you know, right? I mean,
1: like, you're in a mall, you gotta put layers on, man.
0: Is that why the bikers are doing so good? Probably. Because all the leather?
1: Yeah. There's moments where they get fucked up pretty good. Yeah, they get fucked up. One of my favorites, I think it's one of those scenes, too, is, like, it's a memorable scene, is where the guy takes his time out to put his fucking arm in the blood pressure machine, and I was like, well... I can't fault him too much because we've all been a victim of that machine. (laughs) You know what I mean? Is if you grew up in that time period and you saw one of those machines, you're sticking your arm in it, even though you know what's gonna happen.
0: (laughs) Here, I'll I'll give you one for I brought up earlier fucking Dead Rising. Yeah. I barely ever made it like even a full like twelve hours in that game because I always acted like the fucking bikers and would just fuck (laughs) around and get myself killed. When it's daytime in that game, it's slow zombies. When it's night, it's fast zombies. There was times I wouldn't even make it to the first night because the zombies were easy to deal with, but I would just keep fucking around trying to put like buckets and masks and shit on their head and just, just do all sorts them. of stupid shit with zombies. I was acting just like the goddamn bikers funny, dude. and I got my fucking face torn off for it many a time. So oh. I, I get it. Like it sucks, but.
1: Lesson learned, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> When you have that opportunity, you're also kind of like, I'm gonna take this opportunity to uh, just fuck with the zombie. Fuck with the zombie.
1: <laughs> oh
0: man, you know you can fuck around with this shit while zombies are around. You
1: could be a real masochist and like pull zombies' teeth out. You create a, a scenario where you can keep them around and just fuck with them like mm-hmm. that because you don't have to worry about the threat of the bite.
0: Right? Yeah, I'm down.
1: No, oh, one thing I wanted to mention. Leave their I,
0: teeth and just wire their
1: shut. <laughs> I wanted to mention this earlier because of that budget I was talking about.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: All right, so I'd mention that depending on who you research, Wiki shows $1.5 million as the budget, and the database shows 600 k And the reason for that is when Romero was trying to shop this film around, They said investors were more willing to pick it up and invest if they saw a larger budget attached to it. So that was part of what they were doing at that time. Mm -hmm. And on top of it, Argento and Romero were both admirers of each other. So Argento had caught wind that Romero was having a hard time financing this film, right? So he wanted the idea of Romero doing a sequel to Night of the Living Dead. So he offered him, you know, hey, I want to help you finance this, but... And when we turn on one to have rights to it in Europe, I'll help edit it for the European cut, mm-hmm. etc. We'll also help score the film, Goblin. You can tell when they come in because, man, is so iconic, too. This, that synth score, it builds really cool tension in the film. Actually, I got to see a couple of those pieces last year, nice. which is really dope, too. But making a long story short is Argento invited Romero to Rome to help write the script, right? He's like, you know, it's just a way for you to get away from the States, you know, give you somewhere where you can concentrate on the writing. So as day by day went, I think it only took him three weeks to write the script, but Argento would read it. He didn't change anything. He just like, I like it the way it is. And then they just went with it. But he also helped because his dad was involved Mm -hmm. and part of that Laurel group, they helped finance it and shit like that. So they secured the mall rights, Argento and Laurel Grip did. Mall rights, not to be confused with mall rats. Yeah, that's right. So, in order to get like the filming done in the Monroeville mall that is, they talked to the management and set it up to where they shot at nights, right? Shot into the the mornings until the mall opened. They took a break between I think the Christmas holiday like a 3 week period. But yeah, they commenced the shooting. So, it didn't take very long to shoot the film, like I cool. said because it didn't have a huge budget if i'm not mistaken there were times where like the way they were shooting this and the way things were happening they were actually shooting under budget
0: oh shit okay. yeah so
1: they did a really good job in terms of what they had and we talked about the fact that savini was doing a lot of makeup on the, at, fly. On the fly because there the script would change from day to day too like the ending changed. there were certain scenes that they didn't put in or oh, left yeah out. the
0: ending was supposed to be way more bleak
1: it kind of sets itself up, too, with Ken's character, I feel, mm-hmm. like setting that. But then there's – he's like, no, nah, fuck that shit. Come Kung back. Fu time. <laughs> Yeah, Kung Fu time. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. They would. But the thing oh, – I keep I saying that. But it was Kung Fu time. I like how this film ends, too, because it's another strong black character, a male, and Fran's character, a strong woman whereas in most films like this you would expect the male white figure through somehow yeah the white guy <laughs> but yeah it just shows is
0: you know. flyboy would have stepped up to become the hero he was meant to be and win back his wife
1: yeah he and instead
0: like ken's probably not all that interested he hasn't shown any interest in no. her but he's the one who happened to survive and now he's gonna be taking care of this pregnant lady who's gonna be mourning her
1: who knows how to fly now yeah who knows how to fly now <laughs> I was like, that is a moment though in the film where had it not been for that, the bikers still would have done their thing. But I mean, that changed like her wanting to learn and him actually showing her. Mm-hmm. That's when they get caught. But anyway, that's beside the point. This film ends kind of like on a okay, what happens? Right? What happens now? But I like that too. Hopeful. Yeah, I think so. You can speculate. It, you know, it's kind low of open. On gasp!
0: Headed. You don't know how low. Yeah,
1: it's a little subjective, firm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, low fuel, whatever. And but, you don't
0: know exactly what that'll mean either. They'll probably be able to still sit down somewhere. Yeah. And then the story continues.
1: So. so I feel, and I don't know how true this is, but this is my gut feeling: is I feel like he did this, Romero intentionally ending the film like this, having that long lull in the middle where it is kind of boring because they're just going through functions. But I think he's trying to do that. It's like a commentary too on the viewers you know it's like how long can you sit through something that's mundane <laughs> as just people doing a daily routine
0: well jokes on you Romero I have a smartphone these days <laughs> <laughs> yeah precisely
1: but that's what it's thinking during that time period though people didn't have access to that where you could tune out look at your phone right you know jump on social media whatever you know for a However, two hour 20 minute that, video I was
0: a lot more likely to be just enraptured at even a two hour 20 minute movie back then than i am now i was thinking now that. my attention spans trained to be shorter it i didn't have anything it. training me like that back then you know what i no, mean exactly even in our childhood pre-smartphone you know it was like yeah whatever fucking gods in generals, says how how many hours whatever i'll watch it like <laughs> yeah
1: so we got time what are we going to do I think that's a clever thing. Not only is it a social commentary about consumerism and what it does to people and, you know, the effects it has. is He's also, I think, trying to make a sly commentary on the movie viewer, too. Like, how long can I hold your attention to something that starts off really wicked paced, really slow in the middle, and then picks up again at the end?
0: Yeah, because that beginning drops you just right into the middle of chaos and then...
1: Yeah. Boom. Essentially. Like, once they clear out the zombies, man, it's like, all right, now what? Yeah. You know? So it shows you that. And I appreciated the film for that. It's like it shows the overindulgence and what that leads to, you know, boredom and, you know, you become apathetic. So anyway, overall, it's a very relevant film still today. It still leaves its mark all over the place, whether it's in movies, whether it's in video games, comic books, etc. It spawned. I mean, so many things that are still happening today. Mm-hmm. We're like in a, a renaissance of zombie shit, man.
0: I think we're almost on a little bit of a tail end, but maybe not. I don't know what Fear the Walking Dead's numbers are doing currently. Yeah, but I mean, there's... even if we're on the tail end of one, that just means we're on the beginning of another, and somebody's just going to put another spin <laughs> on it.
1: You can't. And help I don't with even that.
0: mean like it's going to be a permanent spin, but I mean somebody will be like people know zombies and so i'm gonna it's easy to
1: take advantage of right now so i'm
0: gonna do something else with zombies that they haven't seen yet
1: yeah well that's the thing i'm getting at too is in video games specifically like my nephews just turned eight but they're aware hyper aware of zombies like that's some of their favorite games and shit whether they've seen the films or not that's another thing but they're familiar with it in video game form
0: fuck it resident evil man who doesn't yeah. know Resident Evil? Right? even as they've moved away from zombies in some of the iterations, like but
1: still, that was some of that early stuff. That's the stuff. bread
0: and butter for it. So
1: yeah, so I'm I'm thankful for that. And like I so said, Romero is one of those names super foundational in the zombie genre. Like I so we're talking about it. Let's see, that came out in '78, Dawn of the Dead. Night of the Living Dead was 1960, so almost 60 years ago. You know, six decades. How much it spawned all this other stuff from it? So it's just uh, it's finally fun to talk about
0: yeah i agree shit speaking of fun to talk about should we take a a minute break and then talk about some it
1: dude i'm down
0: all right all right so last night me and you went with friends of the show to see it chapter two that rhymed (laughs) so i guess like we said we're not gonna try to sit here and talk about spoilers but one or two might slip out yeah if it happens it happens I don't want to put too many words in everyone's mouth, but I think overall, it seemed like we all kind of thought it was really funny. <laughs> I laughed
1: a lot. Dude. I laughed a lot more than I was expecting.
0: Yeah, I guess I mean, there's a lot of horror elements in that movie, but it worked way better as a dark comedy for me. I laughed a lot in that movie. I think there was a couple times where I laughed really loud when the rest <laughs> of the theater was mostly silent. Yeah,
1: there's a couple moments I had that chuckles, too. <laughs> like, oh, shit. <laughs>
0: And I had even rewatched Chapter 1 before I went into that. And I found Chapter 1 to be a little bit creepier than I remembered it being. I sort of realized that, because that movie was also stupid long, I remembered all the big moments, but I'd forgot a lot of little details. And in the details, there was a lot of cool shit and kind of creepy shit. And it feels like all those creepy things were set-ups for just, like, dark comedic moments in this one.
1: No doubt. Yeah, you're right. And
0: I'm like... I like how they followed it up. It probably isn't going to work for everybody, but it worked for me. <laughs> well, I
1: mean, I enjoyed it because of that, too. You're right. It had these buildups, but they were yeah more comedic to me.
0: I thought overall the casting was amazingly good, Yeah. for the most part. I think the casting was extremely well done with how similar their faces actually looked, but adult Ben reminded me too much of Taylor Lautner.
1: A good point. He's a good actor. I don't know if he was the right choice for that character. You know? Contending with John Ritter's...
0: I was about to say, John Ritter might have been a little bit better adult Ben.
1: I feel the same. And that's no discredit to the guy who played this version of Ben. However, it's just, everybody it's just else might feel. have been better. Yeah? Yeah. Chastain was good.
0: I'm still in the camp that kind of wishes Amy Adams would have been it instead yeah. of Chastain. I think i think everybody was like, wanting, yeah. Amy I think Adams. she looks like a better version of the adult Beverly, yeah. and she's also an amazing actress. And I feel like Chastain was more chosen because she was sort of the flavor of the moment when they were casting for this movie. That's probably a good point,
1: Bill. Hader and I don't want to take
0: good. anything away from her. She's also an amazing actress, right? Right. Um, which is why she was the flavor of the moment during that casting, I just think Amy Adams might have been better.
1: Uh, You never know. Yeah, I liked Hater, did an amazing job. Hater was great. He really nailed it. What's the
0: name of new Eddie? I don't
1: know his name, but that guy was really fucking good, dude. They had a really good chemistry on set, and their characters were just really... They were fun, man, together. And... There was something that they did in this film, which I think it's more or less what's kind of happening in a lot of films I'm noticing lately is they're doing a social commentary on certain movements right now. And so I wasn't really expecting the way that they wrote their characters' relationship <laughs> into uh, this film.
0: James Ranson, 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 could be Ranson. Oh shit, he's in Sinister.
1: Oh, I haven't nice. watched Sinister. I just recently watched it, but I don't know where he's at. I can't place him. Uh, he
0: is in The Wire, which I should have remembered him from. Wow. But at the same time, oh, geez, that's why I didn't remember him. Look how young he fucking looks. Yeah,
1: up. that's a good point.
0: Yeah. He played amazingly off of Hader. Those two were so good together. I want an alternate universe where they are just living together. And we're getting to watch them in a sitcom.
1: I would be up for that, dude. <laughs> they had really good chemistry, is what I'm saying. Is The guy who played the adult, Mike, did a really good job. James McAvoy did a really good job. I'm still not sold on the adult bills, though, man. it's a little hard to pull off.
0: Yeah, McAvoy, I think, overall did a good job. I think out of all of them, he was the one that... There was a couple times his character was almost on the edge of being campy in some of his reactions. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And I felt like he also got framed really weird in a couple of the scenes. Like, towards the end when he's rushing off in front of the others... And he jumps off the bike and heads towards the house. I'm like, did you guys just frame him like a superhero there for a second? Yeah, that was really exactly. weird. <laughs> there
1: were moments too where it's like, ooh, I wonder when glass is gonna come out. <laughs> and you know, like, his old split personality and all that shit. But anyway, yeah, the adult actors in this did a really good job. I liked Skarsgard. I wonder how intentionally they did this too. And this is a little bit of a spoiler, but they didn't use him as much as I was anticipating him in this film.
0: And especially not pure him. There's a lot of CGI'd him. Yeah. yeah. Where he probably still did a lot of the motion cap for. Was probably still there in the scene for some of it, at least. I would imagine. Because some of it's just him with exaggerated features. But still definitely CGI'd. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but then it made me wonder, too, how much that... Whether it was you know Machete or the writers, etc., we're trying to pay a little too much homage to the original miniseries version, because it was like, ah... Uh, they were doing a lot of things almost scene for scene, and, you know, changing it up a little bit because of modern technology, but, ah, uh, it's like, did they necessarily need to do that? Not really, but some of it was fun. Like, I liked some of the uh, restaurant scene. That was pretty fun.
0: Oh, yeah. That restaurant... Oh, I laughed really hard right at the beginning of that restaurant scene for a, a reason that nobody else in the theater would have realized except for us. But
1: Yeah, it's like, oh, shit, that's funny.
0: That's great. I mean, overall, I fucking really, really enjoyed that movie, but I really enjoyed it as a dark comedy more than a horror.
1: It's I got agree a, with you there. It's got
0: a ton of horror elements. It's not fair to call it not horror. It's a horror comedy. Yeah. Yeah. To oh, me. man. That's the thing. Yeah, me, a good It's point. a horror comedy. Yeah, it has the dark too humor. Many, yeah, with a lot of dark comedy. I don't think it was supposed to be intended as a horror comedy. It is intended <laughs> to have a lot of humor. There is a lot of humor yeah, written for sure. in.
1: Yeah, there, I think there's some moments, like you were saying, where we were probably chuckling, where a lot of people were like, What the fuck is so funny? But it's not like it's a, a laugh out loud funny. It's just like, you know, if you get it, you get it. <laughs> and that's what makes it funny. It's a little ridiculous, but in a good way.
0: It seems to be getting mixed reviews. I saw somebody today just post about how much they hated it, which I don't quite get that response, yeah. because if nothing else, it was still a very... The thing I'm getting at is, in the end, I still feel like, even if your overall reaction to it ends up being only lukewarm, I think it's still a decent way to end off this story. Like, everything comes to a close. Yeah, because
1: and... you got to consider the source material, too. You know, it's... How much do you sway away from it if you do want to make it to where it's just catering to the audience, you know?
0: I was surprised at how much of the weirdness they kept in. Yeah, likewise. That was kind of neat. Almost brought a fantastical element to it in some of the end parts, I thought, before they sort of swayed it back into more like nightmare territory. Yeah, no doubt. No, like I said, I enjoy it as a horror comedy.
1: Yeah, likewise. I didn't realize... Well, I did realize it was almost a three-hour film, but sitting through it it almost didn't feel like a three-hour film
0: no we were really stoned though
1: yeah we were well mine hit a little bit later than yours but yeah going into it though yeah because my shit
0: hit (laughs) right in the fucking in the fucking sewers that's funny they hit gray water and my fucking brownie hit me
1: well they kept like trying to serve me up stuff that i wasn't even ordering (laughs) It's like who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yeah,
0: the food was on point. My burger was really big yesterday.
1: Yeah. No, I, so. I enjoyed it, man. Like the experience. was fun. I enjoyed having Quincy and Patrick with us. You know.
0: Hopefully, the next time they're each on, we'll we'll remember to get ask a little bit them, of their ideas on it. Ask them what they thought, so we don't put too much words into their mouths. But yeah,
1: I'll put it this way: I think if you grew up with the miniseries and you're familiar with it, then you're probably going to have some fun with this one. You know. Don't try to take this film like too serious. it I don't think it's meant to be too serious because of those co- you know comedic elements. So in that regard it might throw people off who are not familiar with the mini and I've only seen the first chapter of it. I wonder how much it's gonna throw them off.
0: Yeah because the first chapter is more I mean the first chapter is also extremely funny especially because of how the kids are talking hard is incredible. And so is the fucking, I can't think of it, Little, little Eddie. Yeah, he does a really uh, good job, that kid. Jack Dylan Grazer. Yeah. Those two are both fucking hilarious in that first one, but that first one, in my opinion, is not as much of a comedy as this one is. I agree. I agree it's That one is a little bit more like a creepy and... stand
1: by me. Yeah. That's a good point, too. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, it is kids, you know? So it plays a little bit more into, like, childhood fears and things of that nature, which is essentially what this film is about anyway just preying upon fears
0: and cycles of abuse exactly shit like that yeah breaking cycles and this and that i don't know how much more we could talk about it without getting full-on
1: spoilery yeah i know uh, i would recommend people go see it yeah exactly it's a fun never mind the reviews yeah
0: if you've seen the first part you deserve to see this part as well
1: and that's the thing i take away about movies now is like you know, people's opinions are, are subjective, right? It's, you know, how much do you want to lean towards one way or the other? Go see it. Make your own opinions upon it, you know?
0: I say it's well worth the watch.
1: It is, man. Even I the hokey parts. I enjoyed the experience. It was fun. It's a good way to see what Machete and, and, you know, the people involved, their vision of it. And it was fun, man. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm.
0: Shit. We are not back next week because we're gonna go watch three from hell
1: dude i'm so stoked about that
0: we will have something up after we go watch it i'm not sure when that will release it might be kind of right away because i have all next week off so i kind of have time to deal with that shit but we won't be recording at our normal time is the main takeaway so you might not get an episode for a week however to continue listening to us when we come back Please hit subscribe, however you're listening to us right now. You can always go over to our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Other ways to listen, including the latest episode, always streaming down at the bottom? Throughout the middle, you have the portals to all of our online shit. The IG, the Facebook, the Twitter. (laughs) Especially go maybe follow the Instagram. We've been getting a little bit more active there, and we're definitely going to try to be active when we go watch 3 from Hell, because I know fucking avengers endgame came out this year and three from hell is like the movie event for me this year nice man you know what i mean like we've been waiting for a continuation of some sort of their story for a long time sid is unfortunately currently in the hospital from last i heard so all the good vibes to him that you all can put out because that sucks especially with this movie about to come out
1: yeah that is a bummer but you're right i mean send out those good jujus and uh Maybe we can get a quick recovery for Sid.
0: But yeah, that trip should end up being documented on the IG, so go follow us over there. You can always hit us up through the website or by emailing us squirmcast at gmail.com. I don't think I forgot anything.
1: No, I think that pretty much covers the bases. You know, we say from week to week, if you want to give us a shout-out, don't be afraid. If you have movie recommendations or if you just... Have suggestions on how we can do better. Let us know. And once again, if you're in the industry need some eyeballs on some films, let us know. We're always inclined to do some reviews on some films like that too.
0: Fuck yeah. That's all I got.
1: Yeah. Likewise.
0: Cool. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms. Oh. Fried Squirms it. <laughs> it. <laughs>